Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I'd like to begin with a question or two to get your minds rolling. When is the last time that you felt God speaking to you? You don't need to answer it, but just think about it. When's the last time that you felt God speaking to you or you heard God speaking to you? And when you did, was it a comforting word that he had? Was it a convicting word? What, what was it that he was saying to you? If I were to play the voice of somebody here in this congregation, if I were to play it over the speakers, and it would say this, the voice would say, it's one of the men here, and it would say, I would like my family to come out to the van. It is time to go home. Most of us would look around to try to figure out who, whose voice it was, except for Sharon and Patrick and Christy and TJ and Benji. They would get up and they would go out to the van and go home because they have learned to recognize and understand the voice that they heard. The rest of us may eventually figure it out, but they would know. They would know right away whose voice it was. The title of the message this morning is Learning to Recognize and Understand the Call of God. And it's an extremely simple message. And when I say that, learning to recognize and understand the call of God, a lot of you are thinking probably different things. Recognizing and understanding God's call will mean different things to different ones of you. Some of you may be thinking of a specific call on your life for a specific duty or a specific, specific job that God would have you to do. Some of you may be thinking of an initial call of God, calling you to accept Christ into your life. That's also a call of God. Some of you may be thinking of the ongoing call of God. I believe strongly that God wants to speak to each one of us every day. And I think we all need to do better or can do better or I can do better at learning to recognize the call of God. To me, there's a world of potential that we haven't even begun to unlock in hearing God's call in, in everyday life. God wants to speak to us. So some of you probably thought of some of those, thing, those things and it meets you where you are. We're all at a different place in our walk with God. Some it may be maybe feeling that God is having that initial call in your life to accept him as Savior. Some think of a specific call. Turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. This is the story of Samuel. It's a familiar story. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'll read the first 10 verses. 
And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at the time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. And the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee, thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. I'd like to look at three calls of God this morning and there are many ways that God that God calls us but I'd like to look at three calls the first one is God's specific calling calling you for a specific job that he would have you to do we could go on for quite a while this morning listing people in the Bible or throughout history that have been given a specific call for a specific job for a specific time and just a few that I thought of off the top of my head were Moses, a specific person called for a specific job at a specific time. Gideon was called for a specific job at a specific time. Noah, the Apostle Paul, there are many people given a specific job. And I believe even today, God calls specific people for a specific job at a specific time. And we may not have as prominent of a job as some of those ones that I listed of Noah or of Moses or of Gideon. But if you take a look at those people that I mentioned, it makes it seem like the call of God for a specific job that he would have you to do should be easy to discern. If you were going home today and there was a burning bush speaking to you, it would be pretty clear, wouldn't it? It would, it would seem clear. Or if you were at work and an angel came to you like he did to Gideon, and you knew it was an angel, it would be fairly clear what that job was. Many, many people that we think of in the Old Testament had a specific calling in a miraculous way, but unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. When I think of a calling in a, for a specific thing, and I debated whether or not to share this, but I think I will. In 2009, when we were having an ordination here at our church, Friday night, I was an usher at the time, and I sat on the very back bench on the back corner. And that happened to be where every person in this church filed by to go into the room to give their nomination for who would be for the ordination. And you didn't know it, but every one of you stared at me the whole time you were going in that room. 
And what was decided is, this was Friday night, what was decided is Saturday, the ministry would look over the nominations given. Then Saturday they would interview the, the nominees and then Saturday night, the, they would call, or they would call Saturday, <clears throat> and let you know if, if you were in the lot or not. And it was clear it was going to be Saturday. And Julia and I went home, and I literally stood by the phone, walked around the kitchen with the phone in my hand. I knew, I knew, like I knew nothing else, that I was going to get the phone call that Friday night. I don't know how or why, but I knew it. And I see that as a specific call for a specific time. And it's not always that clear. I'm not saying that it has, it probably won't be that clear. But for me, it was very clear. There are many of you here this morning that I know of and probably some that I don't know of that have gotten a call from a mission board to go and serve somewhere in the mission field. You've gotten that call, and you're still here this morning. So that means one of two things. That means either you are resisting the call of God, or it means that that was not the call of God for you. It's one of those two. And I'm not condemning anybody for the decision that has been made. It just I'm trying to, to show how difficult it is to determine this. We as, as Christians are not prone to coming up with these ideas of service on our own. We need to be pushed and prompted. And God uses the church. He uses the brotherhood and he uses maybe a call from, from a mission board to, to push us. That's the push we need. He does, God does speak through those people. However, just because someone has an idea that you may fit this role doesn't necessarily mean that it's the call of God. What about if you get a call like that? You think, well, what about the plans that I have? What about the plans that I have made? It seems that God was leading me in this direction. Proverbs 19:21 says, There are many devices in a man's heart, or many ideas, many plans that we come up with. And it says, nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. It would be nice. It would be so nice if when God called us, he would hit us with the bright light and knock us off our horse and say, this is what I want you to do. Speak to us at a burning bush. If you look here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it took God four tries to get Samuel's attention. To get Samuel to recognize that it was the call of God. It took him four tries. Then we see Samuel's response, which is probably the most important thing of recognizing and understanding the call of God. Samuel's response was, speak, Lord, or speak, for thy servant heareth. And that statement, speak, for thy servant heareth, has so much in that one statement. To me, it's a realization of the call. He realized the call. It's a recognition of servanthood. And that's probably the most important thing of, 
understanding the call of God. You are his servant. It's a realization of the call. It's a recognition of servanthood. And it's a resignation to obedience. He's saying, speak for thy servant heareth. In other words, I'm willing to do whatever you have for me. There is no... I'd love to stand up here this morning and say, if you follow this, this, and this step, you will know that it is God's call for you when you receive that call from a mission board or when you feel prompted to do something, that if you follow this step and then you do this and then this, that you will, that then you'll know. Then you can, I can't do that. There is no textbook way to figure it out. But this I do know, you will know. You will know. There's a verse in Isaiah that says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left. Philippians 4, 7, another familiar verse you know, says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? It says, The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, the peace of God, will keep your hearts and minds. You will be at peace with whatever decision. If you make the right decision, you will be at peace. That does not mean you will not get criticism from people for the decision you make. You probably will get criticism from one side or the other. But you can know you've made the right decision when it says the peace of God will keep your heart and mind. And I really believe that this process of recognizing and understanding the call of God for a specific job that he has for you will be made so much easier if we can get a hold of this second part. The second part is understanding God's ongoing call in your life. Now, some of you I've been speaking to this morning specifically who have been struggling or I've known or I know have struggled with a specific call. But this one is to, to all of you who have accepted Christ. There is an ongoing call in your life. God wants to speak to you daily. And if we can wrap our minds and our hearts around this, I think it will greatly simplify the understanding of the specific job that God wants us to do. As I was thinking of God speaking to us daily, my mind was drawn to turning your Christian hymnals. We're not going to sing it, but I want you to look at it. 382 in the Christian hymnal my mind was drawn to this song three hundred eighty two we're not going to sing it but I'd like to I'll read it and you follow along I'm pressing on the upward way I'm pressing on the upward way new heights I'm gaining every day still praying as I'm onward bound Lord plant my feet on higher ground my heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I've found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Then the chorus is, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. 
Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. We've all sung that song and we know it well. Do you really mean what you're singing there? That's quite a testimony. And you are not going to be able to sing that truthfully if you don't have a heart that's seeking after God to speak to you every day because that's the only way that you're going to reach that higher plane. It says, a higher plane than I've found. It's, what we're saying is, I'm trying to get higher and further on in my Christian life. I'm wanting your, God's input in my life and that's the only way to do that. If our prayer and our aim truly is higher ground, there will be results in your life. That's a pretty blanket statement, but is it fair? If our prayer and aim is higher ground, there will be results in your life. So don't look at the people beside you. Look at yourself. Have there been results in your life? If as you sing, your prayer and your aim is higher ground, has there been results? Have you truly had your heart open to hear, can you recognize and understand what God is trying to speak into your heart? It's easy to hear the comforting thoughts he has for you when he says, Oh, I'm with you always, or, or things like that. But what about the things where he says, he touches something in your life and says, this isn't quite right. This attitude isn't right, or what you're doing here isn't right. The way you're responding to this person isn't right. What about those? Can we hear and can we understand and recognize those? Because the way we respond to that is what's going to determine that higher plane that we're looking for. Growth and learning to recognize and hear God's voice is not like a switch that you can just turn on and off. Wouldn't that be nice? If you could just turn it on and now I can understand God's voice. It's not that easy. I don't remember where I heard it. But it said growth... Christian growth comes through an ongoing commitment to love righteousness. Reaching that higher plane, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Reaching that point comes from an ongoing commitment to love righteousness. Think about that. Do you have an ongoing commitment to love righteousness? Dave McFadden said this, and I think he's right. He says, too many of us want the thrill of hearing from God and being in his will without having to make any adjustments to our character. I think he's right. Too many of us want the thrill of hearing from God and being in his will without having to make any adjustments to our character. As we learn to recognize God's call and hear his voice, there will need to be a constant adjustment on your part. You're not going to reach that higher plane and stay there. If that is truly your goal, there's always one more that you're reaching for. It's learning to yield to God's promptings, to respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. Learning to work hard at seeing things from the other person's point of view. And it's adjusting, constantly adjusting my priorities. Or it's an ongoing commitment to love righteousness. 
That's what it means to recognize and understand the constant ongoing call of God or God speaking in your heart and in your life from day to day to day to day. For me, and some of you can maybe relate to this, but probably the biggest hindrance or one of the biggest hindrances for me in learning to hear and recognize God's call from day to day. And I think you understand what I mean. I came up with this term myself. So if you can't, I'll try to explain it. Is the white noise in my life or the clutter. The things that aren't really, they're neither here nor there. They're not going to necessarily be a tremendous hindrance to my spiritual life, but they sure aren't helping it. To me, those are the things that get in the way of me hearing the voice of God every day. I am intrigued with the Olympics. I think they're over today. But I'm intrigued with them. And I, don't, I didn't follow everything closely. But there were a few names that stood out. They seem to have stood out the last few years. Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps, and Katie Ledecky stand out, way stand out in the field that they were in, swimming and running. They smashed world records and their own records and everybody else's records. What if they would have shown up to swim or to run a race wearing a snowmobile suit and snowshoes? I think that's allowed. I don't think they would have been kicked out. They wouldn't have won. They would not have won their race. They wouldn't have come close. They maybe would have been able to finish. Probably would have finished. They're strong people. But they wouldn't have won their race. To me, that's what I'm talking about when I say that these things that aren't right or wrong necessarily, but they block what God is trying to speak to me because I'm filling my mind with these extra things. I think some of you can probably relate to that. Back here in 1 Samuel 3, there's three things I like to notice in the first three verses. And I don't want to read too much into these verses, but it struck me as I was reading this. It says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. What does that mean? To me, I looked it up. The word of the Lord was precious. There was no open vision. And that means... Messages from God were rare and visions or God's leading was uncommon in those days. Verse 2, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. This is speaking literally. But I believe it's also an indication of his, how Eli's spiritual condition was. He had just, if you look at the chapter before, he had been given a warning. It says a man of God, we don't know who it was, came to him and said, you need to straighten up. You need to get a hold of your sons and you need to act on this. Eli didn't see it. Verse 3, and ere the lamp of God went out by the temple of the Lord. This is literal too. It's at the end of the day. But I think it's also an indicator of the spiritual condition of the people of Israel at this time. God wasn't 
didn't have really anybody that he could speak to a lot. The ones that he should have been able to speak to, it says his vision was dim. He couldn't see. And the lamp of God was going out in the temple. Things were not good. And this is the conditions when God spoke to Samuel. And that brings us to the third and I think the most important part of recognizing and understanding God's call. And that is understanding the initial call of God in your life. Look at verse 7. It says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Everyone here in this room knows who God is. You have heard about God your whole life. But there's a song that says, you know a lot about him, but do you know him? And there's a huge difference. There is no particular age to accept the call of God, the initial call of God in your life. There is no age. It doesn't matter how old you are. And this is where the message is so simple. There is no one in the world who is born without the need to respond to the call of God. Every single person who ever was and every single person who ever will be will respond in some way to the call of God. You will either say yes or you will say no. Samuel had been born to godly parents. He had spent most of his life or all of his life either in their care or at the temple. And as I look across the group here, that would pretty much be where every one of you were. Born into godly homes, spending your life either there or with the people of God learning at church. That didn't excuse Samuel from needing to make a decision to accept that call of God in his life. Just because we were brought up this way does not mean that we are right with God. We look, we, I've gone to Sunday school all my life. I've learned the Bible stories. I know the songs. I haven't done anything really bad. I'm right with God. No, you aren't. It doesn't mean you are right with God until you accept that call in his life and make him your personal savior. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are born this way. We are born separated from God. With a sinful nature and we are headed for a Christless eternity. That's how we're born. It takes a conscious choice and a conscious decision to leave that position. Revelation 21:27 says, And there shall in no wise enter into it, speaking of heaven, anything that defileth, neither worketh, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. What it's saying is sin cannot enter heaven. Heaven is the destination of the child of God, and sin cannot enter there. So defining our terms this morning, what, what is sin? We could go around and around and around this morning, and every person would probably have a different answer for what sin is, what, what keeps us separated from God. You might say, well, it's separation from God. It's anything against the nature of God, and that's true. It's disobedience to God. That's true. 
And you've probably heard me say this before, but this is the best description I have ever heard of sin. And it was given to John Wesley by his mother, Susanna Wesley. And listen, listen to this is the best description. He went to her and he said, what is what is sin? And she could have said those things of separation from God. But this is what she said. And you've probably heard me say this before. It's anything that weakens your reasoning, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God or takes away your desire for spiritual things. Can you think of a better description than that? Whatever weakens your reasoning, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes away your desire for spiritual things. No matter how good it is in itself, if it does any of those things, that to you is sin. There are two facts that every one of us need to reckon with today. And that is this. Every one of us have an appointment with God. Every one of us have an appointment with God. That's the first thing we need to reckon with. The second one is, when we have that appointment, our lives will be revealed. They'll be blown wide open. First Corinthians 4, verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before that time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. You have two choices to choose from. You have godliness or you have ungodliness. It's one or the other. And not making a choice is making a choice because you remember what our default setting is when we're born. We're no, we, there's no middle road. We are born ungodly. You have a choice to make. There's a price to be paid either way. If we want to continue in the setting that we were born in, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That's spiritual death, that's physical death, and it's eternal death. Death, death, and death. There's also a price to be paid if we choose godliness. And there's no way you can ever pay it. There is no way you can ever pay it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift, it has to be a gift. There's no way you can pay that price. It has, the only way is to accept a gift. Hebrews 10, verse 10 says that gift was given one time. One time, it says once for all. It's for everyone. Listen as I read from Romans 5. It says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. This is speaking about you and me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
And not only so, but we joy, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. What does that mean? This is what it means. We were born helpless, helpless to do anything about our condition. And if you have not accepted Christ, you are still there. The only thing you can do is to accept that free gift. And then he goes on and says, it would make sense for someone to die for a good person. That we can kind of understand. But it says, God loved us so much in that while we were actively opposing him, he sent his only son, the only price that would satisfy God's requirements. He sent that. He sent Jesus. While we were actively opposing him to die for us. Once we understand the helplessness and hopelessness of our lost condition, it is only then we can begin to understand the call of God, the initial call of God in your heart and in your life. Jesus, that call of God is there. To accept the call, there's three steps. Repent, believe, and confess. Repent or change direction. Believe is more than just saying, I believe. Believing is acting on what you know of God. And confess is admitting or owning the sin that you have had and then telling others about it. There's two parts to confession. When the Spirit of God moves and touches your heart, it brings you to the realization of your need to accept the call of God, and that is not a call to be ignored. I'd like to close with this, these thoughts here. God is speaking today. He's speaking to you in some way. He's, maybe he's speaking to you initially to accept his son, to accept the Savior, to become a Christian. Maybe he's speaking to you, asking you to remove some of that clutter that you would be put more effort and more, that we would be more disciplined and to hear what he's speaking to us every day. That we can do what we sing, that we can, our prayer and our aim is that higher ground. Maybe that's what he's speaking to you about. Maybe you have accepted Christ as your Savior. And maybe there's something in your life that is keeping you from reaching that higher plane that we sing about. And maybe it's something you need to make right with that. No matter what it is, there is no shame whatsoever in accepting the call of God. So I encourage you, if you are not, if you are not right with God, that you would not put it off that you would find someone and get it right with God. The, the discomfort and maybe embarrassment that we may feel now is nothing 
compared to the joy and the freedom that we can have in hearing the call of God and recognizing and understanding the call of God in your life. Let's kneel for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you that we can be here. We thank you for each person that's here. We pray that your Spirit, Holy Spirit will move among us and that we'll bring conviction and bring comfort where it is needed. We pray that you'll be with each one of us, that we would hear, that we would recognize and understand your call, your speaking to us, that we could reach that higher ground that you are calling us to. Give us the courage to make the changes in our life that we need to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.